The message you're about to listen to is by Reverend Dr. Femi Olaleye of Oikea Christian Center. Remain blessed as you listen. Praise God. All right, so we started a series last month where we look at Christ in everything, and we were able to see quite a bit from those, those teachings. Um, so I, I don't want to start to lay a foundation from what we've already taught before, so we will just move on from that and um, go um, into this subject, Christ in Moses. Um, Christ in Moses. Now, Moses is the word used in scripture to describe the five books, the first five books, and the five books that Moses wrote. That's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and the Deuteronomy. Jesus in St. Luke's Gospel. Can we turn in there, St. Luke's Gospel? Chapter number 24 and 27. St. Luke's Gospel 24 and 27. It says, beginning at Moses, all right, and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. All right, so we have that Moses is actually the summary given to the books that were written to Moses, uh, that were written by Moses, the first five books. All right, Moses and all the prophets. Then, if you look at verse um, forty-seven of St. Luke's Gospel twenty-four, you find that we have the classification of the Old Testament. All right. Um, the classification, sorry, 44, all right, the classification of the Old Testament, all right, into Moses, Psalms, and the prophets. Okay, praise God. He says, and he said unto them, these are the words which I speak unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which are written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. So Jesus shows us here that Moses is one of the books all right that reveals who he is who christ is reveals all right every single thing that jesus later came to fulfill so that means if we read moses in the light of christ we should be able to understand the gospels remember we've already laid a foundation that the law all right is a typology a shadow of things to come Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1, Colossians chapter 2 and 13. The law is a shadow, all right, of things to come, not having the very substance of the things. So the law is a shadow, it's a typology, why Christ is the substance of that um, typology. Now, many a times when we are reading the book of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, we sometimes think, okay, that Moses wrote those books as it happened. So some people think that when Moses wrote, you know, in Genesis 1, Genesis chapter 2, or Genesis 3, it seems as though Moses was in the garden, all right, something like that. But that's not correct. That's not what happened, all right? Most of the things that Moses wrote, he wrote after the fact. It means he wrote after the event. So the context of the writings of Moses was that there was a nation of Israel. So there was a nation of Israel that he was writing the book for them to read and for their generations to read. Amen. All right. Yeah, he was writing for, their, for them to read and for their generations to read. So, for example, Moses wrote all of the books of um, the first five books, all the books of Moses were written when the children of Israel were in the wilderness. So generations after needed to understand, okay, why are we 
all right in the wilderness or why are we in canaan then how did the our ancestors get to what to egypt in the first place you understand so who, who are our ancestors who is this abraham all right my father used to tell me about then why is it that we offer sacrifices why do we offer a sin offering why do we offer a bond offering what is the reason for it why is there a tabernacle what's the purpose of that tabernacle why is there an high priest praise god why does that high priest go in once explanations praise god so moses had to write the book for that nation of israel initially to understand why the priesthood to understand why the laws to understand their history praise god to understand their history so when they they are called the children of abraham isaac and jacob they needed to understand why that was that was why the book was written at the time the book of moses was written man had already fallen praise god at the time the book of moses was reading a uh, book books of moses was written man had already fallen sin was already in the world there was death in the world praise god the satan was running amok so it must have been there must have been questions as to who created us and if it was god that created us why is there death in the world then where did death come from praise god all those questions moses sought to answer in his first five books so let's write let, write this down quickly all right what does the book of moses or the writings of moses what do they explain or what do they show number one they answer the question who jehovah is praise god he answers the question who jehovah is i am that i am the i am sent you amen who jehovah is hello him as he is repeatedly called in the book of genesis chapter one and all true elohim 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 jehovah hallelujah second thing the book of moses shows us is the abrahamic covenant and what it means the abrahamic covenant and what it means the third thing the book of moses shows us is the rebellion of the first man the rebellion of the first man the fourth thing the books of moses explains to us is the promise of the messiah the promise of the messiah the fifth thing the book of moses shows us is the coming promise hallelujah of the blessing of abraham the coming promise of the blessing of abraham the sixth thing the books and the writings of moses shows us is the nature of god the nature of god the seventh thing the writings of moses shows us is what sin is what sin is we see clearly in the writings of moses that sin is unbelief unbelief number eight notice something all right there are many sins the children of israel committed on the way to the promised land but the one that did not allow them get in was unbelief they did not believe that they could defeat the giants in canaan and they said it that we are like grasshoppers in the eyes of these guys unbelief so the writing of moses shows us what sin is all right the writings of moses also shows us what faith is hallelujah faith is so you find many a times the teachings of faith the teaching of justification explained by paul always stems from the writings of moses what number is that number what okay huh eight okay so number nine 
the writings of Moses shows us the need for remission of sins and shows us the need for remission of sins. Shows us the need for remission of sins. The tenth thing we see in the writings of Moses is that we saw we are shown the writings of Moses shows us the need for a high priest and the sacrifices offered by the high priest for remission. Number eleven, the writings of Moses shows us the consequences of sin, which is death. Consequences of sin, death. And the twelfth thing the writings of Moses shows us is God's free gift of justification via the shed blood god's free gift of justification via the shed blood hallelujah so moses didn't write genesis as a narration the books of moses were books of revelation so that means god gave moses a revelation and via because via that revelation he wrote a book so several revelations were given to moses and moses penned the writings in his book to communicate the revelation that he was given glory to god so that's why you see the book of genesis is past historical is part historical and it is part revelation how do we know when we look at the explanation of paul of certain stories in genesis you will begin to see the revelation that is embedded in it for example, in Galatians 3.16, as we've said severally, Paul says the seed of Abraham was not Isaac. The seed of Abraham was what? Was Christ. Praise God. So that story, amen, had a revelation in it. So the stories of Genesis were not all the things that happened in the past of Israel, but they were the stories that were necessary to communicate the revelation of God's plan for redemption. Hallelujah. Amen. So it was the stories that were necessary to communicate God's plan for salvation. So Abraham, um, um, Abraham's seed is Christ. So when God says to Abraham, "In thee shall all the nations of the earth be blessed," he was actually saying, "In Christ shall all the nations of the earth be blessed." Moses told that story to communicate that truth. Now Moses' writings had uh, or how would i put it now moses writings because of a typology the typology the communicator and because there were shadows moses writings are called mystery we will get to that part they were mystery mysterion, which means they were veiled so the truth was in the writings of moses but there was a veil over them such that the man without the unveiler cannot understand the message that is veiled so the writings of moses require revelation knowledge for a man to be able to understand what moses was communicating in the typologies and in the parables glory to god glory to god this is very important for us to get now moses uh, the books of moses were books of revelation though it was a revelation that was in part so that means moses did not have all of the revelation what moses had was a portion of the revelation like hebrews chapter number um one verse one shows us i think i showed you that before where we read from the amplified that god is at sundry times and in diverse manners god all right revealed to a portion revealed all right portions to the prophets if you look at that in the amplified in many separate revelations, you see that Amplified Bible in many separate revelations, each of which set forth a portion of the truth. So Moses' writings set forth 
a portion of the truth. He didn't have all of it, all right, but he had what? A portion of the truth. Hallelujah. So we have certain things that were a portions of the truth in the writings of Moses, but we now had that we had other portions of the truth in the writings of the prophets. For example, Moses did not tell us that Jesus will be born of a virgin. But Moses shows us that there will be an incarnation. But he didn't tell us he was going to be born of the virgin. Moses did not tell us he will be born in Bethlehem. He didn't give us all those things. So all those things were what? A portion. So Moses had his portion. The prophets had their own portion. Praise God. I said, praise God. Now, look at Hebrews chapter 10 verse 1. Let us establish that the law is a shadow. Because if you do not understand that the law is a shadow, which the law of Moses is a shadow of things to come, and not having the very substance of the things, you will not understand what it exactly it is we want to um, communicate. Look at Hebrews 10 1 says, For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things. So that means the image, the images we had in the law of Moses were not the substance, they were a shadow. So that means they were pointing to good things to come. The good things had not yet arrived, the good things were to come. So that means the good things were in the future. Are you following? So he says, For the law having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the sins, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the commas thereunto perfect. Which means that the sacrifices offered year by year under the law was a shadow of good things to come which means there was a good sacrifice that was going to come that the present sacrifices offered under the law were pointing to is this clear so that means the the, the the sacrifices offered were shadows of good things to come the high priestly ministry was a shadow of what good things to come it means every single thing you see in the law of moses was a typology of good things to come hallelujah hallelujah i said hallelujah so it was a shadow. The word shadow here is skia. It means, all right, skia is talking about types, typology. That's what it's talking about. All right. It means to understand the substance, understand the skia, the schematic, all right, the shadow, the typology. If you are able to understand the types, you can understand the metaphor, you can understand the substance. Look at Colossians chapter 2 and verse 12 to 13. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 12 to, to, um, 12 to 14. He said, Buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him, through the faith of the operation of God, who had risen from the dead. Now, it says, next verse, And you being dead in your, in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, as he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Next verse, it says what? Blotting out the handwriting of the analysis that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, kneeling into his cross. Next verse, 15. Having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly triumphing over them in it. Now, 16 now says, Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in what? In drink. Meat there is talking about Passover. That's because they ate meat in the Passover. Then drink talks about, all right, the wine, the cup of wine they ate during the Passover. They drank during the Passover. Then it says, on in respect of an holiday, that's talking about the different feast days they had in the law of Moses. Or the new moon, they celebrated the new moon, all right, in the laws of Moses. Or of the Sabbath days, they celebrated the Sabbath days in the laws of Moses. In 17, it now says, which is a what? Which are a what? Which are a what? A shadow of things to come. Okay, same thing, good things to come, the shadow of things to come. So that means in the era of the law, because it was not yet time for the real thing to show up, God gave them typologies and shadows which were indicative of the good things that will come. 
Are you seeing that? Which were a shadow of things to come, but it now says, but the body is of Christ. So that means to understand the shadow, you must understand the body that is casting the shadow. Glory to God. To understand the shadow, you must understand the body that is given. Because for there to be a shadow, there is a body. Hallelujah. Only a body can cast off shadow. There has to be an object that casts off shadow in the presence of light. So the shadow cannot be touched, but the body can be touched. So you do not now, all right, establish the shadow without understanding the body that gives off the shadow. Praise God. So Christ is the substance. Christ is the body. So that's why until Christ comes, we cannot understand Moses. Because Christ is veiled in Moses. So until Christ comes, because the Bible says, Jesus Christ said, I am the light of the world. That's what he means. Because when Christ comes as the light of the world, the veil in Moses is taken away. You can now see plainly what Moses has been trying to communicate. Glory to God. So we now see something. So if the law was a shadow, it means that a lot of the things spoken of in the law were metaphors and were parabolic expressions. Look at Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 33. Is somebody learning something here today? Matthew 13, 33. Look at what it says. Another parable picky unto them. Speaky unto them. The kingdom of heaven is like unto living, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal. Till the whole was what? Living. Next verse. It now says what? All these things spake Jesus unto the multitude in parables. And we, listen, know, who is Jesus? Jesus is the word become flesh. Is that correct? So that means if Jesus is the word become flesh, in his pre-incarnate manifestation, Jesus is the word of the Lord that came to all the prophets in the Old Testament. Jesus is the word of the Lord that came to what? Even what? Moses. Now, Jesus, the word became flesh, was talking to multitudes under the law, and he did not use plain speech. He spoke to them in what? In parables. Showing you that the mode of communication of Jesus in his incarnation and the mode of communication of Jesus pre-incarnately is the same. He speaks in parables, typologies. The only time he speaks plainly is when the spirit is given. For without the Holy Ghost within, you cannot understand the revelation. So before the Spirit came, God spoke in parables. So that when the Spirit comes, the Spirit will unveil the parables that God has spoken in millennials past unto you for you to understand. Hallelujah. He said, all these things spake Jesus unto the multitude in what? In parables. And without a parable, spake he not unto them. Next verse. That it might be what? Fulfilled. Which was spoken by the prophet saying, I will open my mouth. In what? Parables. Glory to God. I will utter things which have been kept secret. From what? The foundation of the world. Notice that. So that means the secret things were communicated through parables. God communicated his plan, which is secret. Secret there is mystery. So that means it is veiled. Glory to God. So that means it is something that is known by God, but is secret to every other person else. Glory to God. Now, let me show you something else where he talks about mystery, secrets. Because the mystery is not something that is not said. No, it is said, but it is said in what? In parables. 
Is that what he said here? I will utter things. He says, I will open my mouth in parables. What would I say when I open my mouth in parables? It means, I will utter things that have been kept secret from the foundation of the world. So that means I am speaking parables, but I'm speaking parables about secrets that have been in existence before the world began. All right? Or from the beginning of the world. Is it there? Are you following? All right, look at it again. First Corinthians chapter 2. All of these scriptures and points are not in my notes, but ah, hallelujah. I want to just set a good foundation because if I don't set a good foundation, I don't want to get to a point I would be preaching to myself. <laughs> All right, verse 6, 1 Corinthians 2 6. He said, Listen, no, pay attention. He says, How be it? We speak wisdom among them that are perfect. Yet not the wisdom of this world nor the princes of this world that come to nothing. Next verse. He said, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Hold on. Which wisdom is he talking about here? The word here is the word wisdom here, glory to God, is the Greek word Sophia. Glory to God. Sophia. He says, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Glory to God. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, it tells us that Christ is our Sophia. Christ has made unto us what? Wisdom from God. 1 Corinthians 1, 30. Let's go back. We'll come back to 1, um, um, 2, 7. Glory to God. 1 Corinthians 1, 30. What does it say? Quickly. It says, but of him, hallelujah, are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us what? And what? Righteousness. And sanctification. And what? Redemption. So, wisdom here is Sophia. So, Christ has been made unto us wisdom. So, when he says we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, he's talking about we speak about Christ in a word in secret. The word mystery there is musterion. It means something that is only known to the initiated. So, he's saying we speak, the, we speak about Christ in a parable. Are you with me so far? We speak about Christ in the Bible. Now go back to 1 Corinthians 2 so you follow what Paul is saying. All right? 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 7. I need you to be faster on. Uh -huh, thank you. He says, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Mysterion, parable, metaphor, same thing. Even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Next verse. Which, pay attention. He says, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So, what is the wisdom? The crucifixion of Jesus Christ, hallelujah, was ordained from the foundation of the world for our glory. So, he's saying if the world, the princes of this world, had known that the death of Jesus was what? God's plan all along, they would not have crucified him. Are you with me? Uh -huh. He says, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Next verse, verse 9. And now says, but as it is greeting, pay attention. I have not seen, nor hear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things God had prepared for them that love him. Hold on. He says, I have not seen, hear, nor hear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man. It means that God's plan to man, natural man, was a mystery. Praise God. It was a mystery to men. It was a secret to men. Are you following? Come on, are you following? So Paul is saying, we preach, we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. And who are we speaking the wisdom of God in a mystery to? To natural men. Hallelujah. Because they didn't understand it. 
or they couldn't understand it. All right. I had not seen nor heard, neither have entered the heart of man the things which God had prepared for them that love him. Now look at the next verse. It now says, But God, everybody say, But God. He said, But God had revealed them unto who? So there is a, there are two classifications. There is us. Amen. Unto whom God has revealed, all right, by his spirit. So there is us who have the spirit who see beyond the secret who see beyond the mystery and see things plainly and the natural man who does not have the spirit to whom things are still appearing appearing as what as secrets are you with me now look at the next verse now says all right for what man knoweth the things of a man save the spirit of man which is in him even so the things of god knoweth no man but what the spirit of god next verse he now says now we have received what not the spirit of the world but the spirit which is of god that we might know the things that are freely given to us of god so to those who have the spirit of god the wisdom of god is not a mystery the wisdom of god is not a secret but to those who don't have the spirit of god the wisdom of god is a what is a secret and is a what mystery are you paying attention come on are you paying attention I need you to talk. Are you paying attention? So what that means is that in the Old Testament, the wisdom of God prophesied. The wisdom of God in the law of Moses appeared as a mystery to them. Glory to God. But it is only when we've received the Spirit that it is plainly revealed and we understand it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we said that God spoke in parables to the man under the Old Testament, because the man under the Old Testament did not have the Spirit. Hallelujah. Look at Psalm 78, verse 1. Psalm 78 and verse 1. So, the Old Testament Jew, reading Genesis, would not understand that when God tells Abraham, Give me thy son, thy only son, that he was not asking for Isaac, that God was actually showing that he was going to give his only son as a what? As a propitiation. There's no way to understand it. He would never have understood the Old Testament Jew that Noah's ark was what? A typology of the ark of the Lord called Jesus Christ that was going to keep him from what? The judgment, hallelujah, that was coming on the world. He would never have understood it. Praise God. Why? Because he did not have the spirit. That dawning, that clarity only comes when the spirit comes into a man. So we have have the epistles what are the epistles the epistles are the explanations of the old testament given by the holy ghost praise god praise god that's what the epistles are all right now look at psalm 78 verse 1 it said give ear all my people to my law incline your ears to the words of my mouth this is god speaking amen all right all right now look at the next verse I will open my mouth in what? Who is opening his mouth in a parable? God. I will utter dark sayings of what? Of what? So what is he telling you? He's telling you that my manner of speech to you, the nation of Israel, is parable. Is this, are you following? Come on, are you following? All right. So my manner of speaking to you, nation of Israel, is via what? Parable. 
I will open my mouth in parable. But in those parables, I will utter dark sayings of old. In those parables, I will utter wisdom in a mystery. Amen. I will utter wisdom in mystery. So when you are reading the writings of Moses and you are reading the words of the prophets, what are you reading? You are reading parables. You are reading the wisdom of God in a what? In coded language. In a mystery. Glory to God. You are reading the wisdom of God in a mystery. So when you see sin offering, there is the wisdom of God in a mystery. The sin offering, the trespass offerings, the day of atonement, the three great feasts, the wisdom of God in a mystery. It is only decoded and unveiled by the Spirit in the revelation of Jesus Christ. So it is only in the revelation of Jesus Christ you will now understand plainly that wisdom that was spoken in a mystery in the Old Testament. Hallelujah. Write this down. What is a parable? What is a parable? The word parable in the Old Testament is the Hebrew word mashal. M-A-S-H-A-L. M-A-S-H-A-L. Alright? Which means a similitude. That's metaphor. A similitude. So, a parable uses symbols to pass across a message it could also use a story to pass across a message the story may be real or not but the essence of the parable or similitude is the message being passed hallelujah so with parables or similitudes we are to get the message being passed and not sit with the types the shadows or stories hallelujah so what we have is moses had god's instructions god's message and delivered them in parables and in symbols as god instructed him to do amen amen i said amen all right now talking about exodus chapter 33 and verse 18 many people do not understand what happens here um because many times many times when we read um the scriptures we read with sense knowledge i've heard people have old conferences on show me your glory show me your glory and i remember when i was growing up as a christian i also prayed for god to show me his glory Show me your glory. Show me your glory. And they don't understand exactly what Moses was saying. All right. Look at Exodus chapter 33 and verse 15. Exodus 33, 15. Now, remember, we've said that the words in the Old Testament was a mystery. The wisdom of God was communicated in a mystery. It was communicated in parables, all right, to the nation of Israel. But you see, Moses was a bit different. In the book of Psalms, the Bible says that God showed his way to Moses, but his act he showed to what? The children of Israel. Which means that there was a difference in the revelation both parties operated in. It means that though the children of Israel saw the miracles, glory to God, 
what Moses got was the revelation. Because when he says God shows Moses his way, then Jesus comes and says, I am the way. It means that the revelation Moses had was a revelation of the nature and the person of God. Why what the children of Israel were seeing the acts and the miracles of God? Are you following? Now, Moses comes here in Exodus 33 and he said unto him, If thy presence go not with me, carry us not said. Now, what is Moses saying? Because you see, Moses knew that it was an angel of the Lord that was going with them. So Moses was like God, if you if you yourself don't go, don't I don't don't let us don't don't take us hence now. He said, and he said unto him, If thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. Now notice, he didn't say, If thy presence go not with us. He said, if thy presence go not with what? With me. All right? Carry us not up hence. Now, look at verse 16. Everybody read. What does he say? He says, for wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found what? What did he say? What did he say? I found grace in thy sight. Hmm. Is it not in that thou goest with us? So that means the proof, glory to God, of being in grace is God's abiding presence. So, whoever, all right, is in grace carries God's presence. Moses knows that. This is why when we are, when we see believers, because we are temples of the living God, we are temples of the living God by virtue of the fact that God's grace dwells upon us, or God has accepted us by grace. Moses was not asking to, for the abiding presence of God by the works of the law. No, it was by grace. He says, for when shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in our sight? Is it not in that thou goest with us? So shall we be what? Separated. That word separated is holy. Because that's what holiness means. Holiness means to be what? To be separated, called out, separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. So that means what marks the church from the world is the presence of God. Hallelujah. So that was what Moses was talking about here. The presence of God. Now look at the next verse. 17. Don't, don't lose me. Don't, don't lose me. And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken. For thou hast found grace in thy, my sight, and I know thee by name. Notice, listen to me. Oh, this thing God said here was not fulfilled in Israel. It was fulfilled in the church. Hallelujah. Why? Because Israel was under the law. Glory to God. Let me explain something to you. What God says to Abraham about the blessing. Did Abraham inherit that blessing during his time? No, he didn't. Who inherited the blessings? Abraham's children by faith. Is that correct? Is that correct? So, so in this same place, when Moses is talking about, if I have found grace in your sight, all right, make me and these people temples of your presence. That's what Moses is asking for. Hallelujah. This is fulfilled in the man in Christ. Glory to God. Fulfilled in the man in Christ. Because it is the man in Christ that has found grace in God's sight. Praise God. It's fulfilled in the man in Christ. And the Lord said to Moses, I will do this thing. Notice what he says. He didn't say, I have done this thing. He says what? Talk to me now. 
It says what? I will do it, which is promissory. Because this is fulfilled, all right, when it talks about the giving of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 3. The promise to Abraham was the giving of the Spirit. And this is fulfilled in Christ. All right, now look at verse 18. Look at what Moses now says. 18, he says, And he said, I beseech thee, show me what? Guys, hold on. It's very amazing. <laughs> Moses says, show me your glory. Now, this was after Exodus 20. When he spent 40 days on the mountain. Is that correct? Is that correct? Talking to God. 40 days. That's after. 40 days. Receiving the law. 40 days. Then they, he broke the commandment. Then went back for what? Another 40 days. This is after that. And he comes and says, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. What is Moskin asking for? Notice what he says. He says, show me your glory. Hallelujah. Show me. Show me. Show me. If he's asking God to show him, it means it was hidden. Clear? If he's asking God to show him, it means the glory was veiled. He couldn't see it. Glory to God. Glory to God. So, if you say, show me, it means I am not being shown. So, show me means that what he's asking to be shown is a secret to him. Glory to God. is a mystery to him. So he can't see it. So show me for no harm me. Jack Henry, show me your glory. Now, in our carnality, we would think that the glory here is talking about some light. So God showed him some lights and some, you know, some glitterati. And said, oh, I saw God. And there was, you know, some, some image. And, and, and we miss something powerful in that we need to understand what the glory of God is. Colossians chapter 1, so we don't waste time. Colossians chapter number 1, I've told you many times. Colossians chapter 1 verse 14. Glory to God. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 14 says, In whom we have redemption. This is talking about Christ. Alright. Let's start from verse 10 for context. Alright. Colossians 1 10. That he might walk worthy of the Lord unto our pleasing, being fulfilled in every good work, and increasing in knowledge of God. Next verse now says what? Strengthening with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness. Next verse says what? Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be what? Partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. What is that inheritance? Next verse. It says, Who have delivered us from the authority of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Next verse. 14. In whom? In whom there is his dear son. Is that correct? We have redemption through what? His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Next verse 15 now says, Who is the image? of the invisible god the firstborn of every creature so jesus is the what image of the what invincible god the firstborn of every creature so that means if jesus is the in the image of the invisible god it means that the god that was invincible in the old testament glory to god is the visible jesus hallelujah 
So when you read in the Old Testament, it says, I will speak to you, all right, Moses, from between the cherubims, from above the mercy seats. Moses did not see any visible image. He only heard a voice. Paul is telling us that the image, hallelujah, of the God that Moses heard is Jesus. Praise God. Who is the glory? Hebrews chapter 1. And verse 2. Show me your glory. So who is the glory? Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 2. Quickly, quickly, quickly. At in this last day spoken unto us by his son, whom he had what? Appointed. How many of you remember Seth? How many of you remember Seth? Seth is the appointed son. Is that correct? So you see Christ revealed in Seth. Hey! Eh? Christ is in what? In Seth. He says what? At in this last day spoken unto us by his son, whom he had appointed heir of all things, by whom also he what? He made the world. Next verse. He wants to tell us who this son is. He says, who being the brightness of his what? And the express image of his what? And upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself poured our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty of I. So it means, when Moses said, show me your glory, what was he asking for? He was asking to see who? Christ. Not just Christ the person, Christ in connection with his redemptive work. Because the glory of God, Christ Jesus, is never ever spoken of separate from forgiveness of sins. Separate from salvation. Separate from redemption. It's never spoken. Because the, the glory of God is seen in that he forgives sins. The glory of God is not in that he punishes sins. No. The glory of God is in that he forgives sins. That he redeemed man. That's the glory of God. The glory of God speaks about the beauty of his essence. The glory of God speaks about the nature of his character. The communication of his attributes. The representation of his personality. That is the glory of God. It's not lights and smoke. No. It's the person. A revelation of his person. So when Moses says, show me, go back to Exodus 33, 18. When he says, show me your glory, what Moses was asking, God, show me your plan. Show me away from the parables. Show me away from the representations. Show me away from the tabernacle. Show me. I know that this thing is representative of something. Show me what it's representing. Praise God. Now you may say, Pastor, are you sure? Okay. Remember when Jesus Christ said about Abraham? He said, Abraham desired to see my day. And what did he now say? He saw it. Didn't he say that? He saw it. And he was what? When did Abraham see it? Hallelujah. Which means Abraham saw what others heard as a parable. Abraham knew a Messiah was coming. Abraham understood. He is, the veil was taken off Abraham's eyes. So that's why the Bible calls Abraham the father of faith. Noah is not the father of faith. Noah did not see it like Abraham saw it. So he calls Abraham the father of faith. So that's why you see all the typologies of Christ. You find it in Abraham. Praise God. Sonship is in Abraham. Firstborn is in Abraham. Blessing, inheritance. Look at Abraham is there. Law is in Abraham. Hallelujah. Grace is in Abraham. 
Agar, Ishmael, works of the law and the flesh. Isaac, Sarah, works of the spirit and redemption. So you see that all in Abraham. Hallelujah. He said, and he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. Now look at what God says next. He now says, and he said, I will make all my words goodness pass before thee. And I will what? Talk to me now. I will what? Notice. He said, I will proclaim the name of the Lord. What is the name of the Lord? And we be what? Gracious to whom I will be what? Gracious. And we be what? Merciful on whom I will be what? So that means the glory of God is a revelation of his grace and his word. Mercy. What is the grace of God? What is the mercy of God? The forgiveness and redemption that is available in the person of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So while other people's faces were veiled, Moses was not. Have you ever wondered why God did not allow Moses to cross into the promised land? The physical promised land. When God told him to speak to the rock, but he smote it. Do you know why? Because God is saying, your eyes were opened. You know that their eyes are veiled. But I opened your own eyes. To show you that the rock was not ordinary. That the rock was the future Messiah. Hallelujah. Out of whose bloody flows rivers of living waters that everybody who drinks of that river will live forever. Why then did you now act in unbelief by striking the rock when I said speak to it? Are you following? He said I won't let you enter. Because if I let you enter, I'll be saying that you can qualify with unbelief. Glory to God. So he showed him the promised land. Though Moses had already entered it. For Moses had faith in Christ. Praise God. But for the sake of the typology and the message, the consistency of the message, he was not going to be allowed in. As an example to us, hallelujah, that unbelief will cause you not to enter into what? Rest. So that's what Canaan typified. Are you following what I'm saying? Praise God. Praise God. Now let's continue. So Moses was asking for his eyes to be opened. And because he was bringing law, 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 law and all. God opens his eyes and he was able to see who God was. Grace and mercy. Everybody say God is grace and mercy. Yeah, grace and mercy. And we beheld him as of the only begotten of the Father. Full of what? Grace and what? Truth. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Amen. I said, Amen. So Moses saw the Lord, but in his writings, he veiled him. In his writings, he veiled God's plan. In his writings, he veiled the redemptive plan. He veiled it. Why did he veil it? it? The veil on the writings was a revelation of the veil in the hearts of the natural man who was not born again. Amen. Look at 2 Corinthians 3, quickly. I've not even started really preaching, no. Because I say I have a lot. And I must finish it today. Someone said, wow. <laughs> Don't worry. We will try our best. Are you tired of the word? Are you enjoying it? Are you enjoying it? The last one we taught you, to, um, we taught you did you teach somebody? 
Eh? Or it's just wasting your notes. You just write, 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 write. Then you shake. Pastor, oh yeah, this is my notes. Workers group. Amen. Sayonara. The only person I see that shares it and put to a care spread is Jide Adekunle. Jide, God bless you. Uh, are you his boyfriend? Is <laughs> this one you are shouting? Amen. You are a supporters club. Okay. So everybody, after you see what you have learned, go and tweet about it. Use the care spreading. Pop, you know, publish the word. Hallelujah. That's one of the things you can do when you are taught the word is to teach it. Because you see, teaching what you have learned is the best way to be better at knowing it. Because as you teach it, you will find out the gaps in your knowledge that will require you going back to your teacher and say, I don't understand this part. I don't understand this part. So a good student transitions eventually to being a good teacher. A lazy student hears it and forgets. So the reason why I always tell you write notes and take notes is very simple. Because I'm producing ministers. I am not producing spectators. This is not Asna versus Manu, where we all sit down in the stands and watch people playing ball. No, it's ministry. Glory to God. Glory to God. God forbid that someone come and say, ah, your pastor said one thing. Can you come and explain it better? And you are stammering. Amen. I will disown you. Maybe you get to everyone and the Lord asks you a question. And you are stammering. And you are looking at my side. As you are looking at my side, I will look like this. I will look at Paul. <laughs> That's the time I want to talk about Paul's birthday. <laughs> I say it was not in the world. Where is your birthday, Paul? Praise <laughs> God. Second Corinthians, where? 3 and verse 15. You know, sometimes when I see how some people use the Bible to teach, I wonder what they are talking about. I don't understand. They will take a scripture and like, what are you talking about? I'm confused. I'm like, what are you saying? Amen. Like somebody was talking about mystery, mystery of prayer. Prayer is not a mystery. Glory to God. Mystery is not a word we must be, we must use, or we should use to believers. L let me tell you why. The believer is a spiritual entity. His spirit man is born again. The believer has the spirit of God. So you cannot be telling a believer that there's something that is a mystery to him, all right? Because if you are describing things as mysterious, kingdom things as mysterious to a believer, you don't know the believer. The believer is not the body. The believer is not the mind. The believer is the spirit. Are you following? So he is a spirit that has a soul and lives where? In his body. So he knows all things. Where? In his spirit. What is happening in spiritual growth and development is that the spirit that already knows all things is beaming light. Hallelujah. Into the soul. So that the soul can come into the awareness of what the spirit already knows. Amen. So, as I am teaching you the word of God, I am shining light from outside into your soul. Your spirit will begin to nod in agreement because your spirit already knows what I'm saying is true. So, your spirit will nod in agreement. That's it. That's it. So that my, your soul can be brought into fellowship of understanding of what your spirit already knows. It is the same way with error. When error is being taught from outside in, it first hits your soul. Your spirit that knows all things will reject it. Oh, glory to God. Are you following? Your spirit will reject it. Ah, no, 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 no. Why? Because your spirit says you have an unction from the Holy One. And you have no need for another one to teach you. 
Are you following? So that unction is the spirit that knows all things. So even though any, every believer may not be able to articulate that knowledge in his spirit with words, because his mind has not been renewed, and his mind has not been properly discipled in the world, step by step, a little here, a little there, alright? Or portion by portion laying down of the truth, his mind has not yet been introduced to that, but his spirit knows what is true and what is not. Are you following that? Why? There is no mystery to the spirit of a man that is born again. No. There is just the bringing of fellowship of the soul into the knowledge that is already present in the spirit. Hallelujah. Are you following what I'm saying? Are you following what I'm saying? So what is going on with believers is that we are being brought into a consciousness of what our spirit already knows. Remember, the man that is born again is born of God. God has taken up residence in him. How can there be mystery to the person? What are you saying? You understand? It's a mystery to the world. It is plain speech to the Christian. We need to teach the Christian differently by understanding who the Christian is. So where did I say open? Second, second 3, uh, 15. Let's start from verse um, 12. Just for context. Seeing then that we have such hope, we use what? Go on, when you get to, go and read it. He says, since us that we have such hope, we use great words. This is what is Paul saying. Because plainness of speech is talking about speech without parables. Are you following? You will see now. Next verse, 13. He says what? And not as words. Are you seeing the contrast? So Moses did not use plainness of speech. Amen. So he said, not as Moses. Which put a veil over his face that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is what? So, what is he saying when he says Moses put a veil over his face? He's talking about the revelation. Hallelujah. Amen. He's saying the revelation of Moses was veiled. Hallelujah. So, the, the, the children of Israel saw the ceremonies, alright, but did not understand that the true message was covered. Hallelujah. It was what? It was veiled. The true message was Christ in the ceremonies. But their focus was on the ceremonies that was going to be abolished. Look at it. You see, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished. Next verse. 14. But their minds were what? Come on church. Are you following this teaching? He said but their minds were blinded. For on this, this day. Remained the same veil. On taking away. In the reading of the old testament. Which veil is done away we are. So that is when we read the Old Testament with Christ. You understand that the person that is under the veil is who? Is Christ. Take the veil off. Christ is the message. Hallelujah. So the next verse now says, listen, 15. But even unto these days, when Moses is read, the veil is upon where? The veil is upon where? Their hearts. Amen. 16. But we all, nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be what? So that is when the veiled heart turns to the Lord, the veil is what? Taken away because the heart say, oh, this is the person behind the veil when we read the, law of, the, the books of Moses. 
Hallelujah. It says, the veil shall be taken away. Next verse. All right. Next, what it says, now the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Liberty. Because under the, uh, the laws of Moses, there was no liberty to see into that which is veiled. Amen. I'm going to show you typology soon because that's why I'm saying I've not even entered my sermon. Amen. Because we're supposed to, next we're going to look at is the typologies, access, tree of life, and um, mercy seats. That's why we need to touch that today. All right. He said, now the Lord is that spirit. And what the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Well, this, this scripture is not talking about liberty to dance anywhere in church. So where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Oh yeah. No, that's not what he's talking about. In the Old Testament, they did not have liberty to see. The children of Israel, the Jews, were not permitted to enter into the most holy place to see. So, you will see, I'm going to, as I'm going to show you, that the mercy seat, the Ark of the Covenant, which typified the person of Jesus Christ, was veiled. It was covered. They were not to see. They were not to touch it. Praise God. They were, not, they were not to see, they were not to touch it. Anyone that tried to touch or see without permission was killed. The person died. Showing you that, all right, in the Old Testament, they couldn't access. The way in was blocked. Hallelujah. It was blocked. So they didn't have liberty to see. He now says, now, where the spirit of the Lord is, go back there quickly. Now, this Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Liberty. Now, liberty to do what? Next verse 18. He says, now, but we are. With what? What are we doing? Are you seeing? We are seeing. Because we have liberty to see now by the spirit. No more veil. Christ is revealed. Hallelujah. No more veil. Christ is revealed. So let us look at some of these things that were veiled in Genesis and in the writings of Moses. The first one is the tree of life. Genesis chapter 2. I hope you guys are able to take it. Those of you watching online, those of you watching on listening on Mixer, I really do hope you can take, you are able to understand this message. All right? Sunday is evangelical service. Midweek is for meat. Amen. You need it too. Mm-hmm. Tree of life. Genesis chapter 2. And verse 8. I want to show you something quickly. So by the way, we're supposed to have a Christology Bible seminar. That's our fourth Bible seminar for the year, Abby. So I have converted it into midweek services. Glory to God. Because mm. there was no space. No Saturday. We have LMM outreaches. So making a no vex. <laughs> hallelujah amen because to go and see now we don't have a saturday for us to sit down from nine o'clock t4 and not do our church we have our churches to do <laughs> and there's no public holiday all right can we read one to go <laughs> everyone to go says what and the lord god planted a garden eastward in eden and there he put the man whom he had what formed ah next verse and what it's like only women are the one reading Bible here in our studio audience. One more time, it says, and out of the ground made the what? Made what? To grow every tree that is pleasant to what? And good for what? Look at it now. The what? Tree of life. Also in the what? The midst of the garden. And the tree of knowledge of what? Notice something powerful. The tree of life grew. 
Hallelujah. Don't overdo it, James. <laughs> Amen. Notice, the tree of life grew. Okay? What does that tell us? Whatever the tree of life represented has its connection to the earth. Praise God. Two things. The tree of life, that whatever it represented, had its connection to the earth. For it grew from the earth. Out of the ground. Made, listen. So look, notice. It says, out of the ground made the Lord God. Amen. Now, tree of life, as I told you, is veiled speech. is parabolic expression. Is that correct? Metaphor. Alright. So, we need to now find out in the New Testament, who exactly is life. Because tree of life means the tree is the metaphor for life. Are you following? For example, if I, Jesus Christ said, I am the what? Bread of what? I'm the what? I'm the what? Bread of life. All right? Book of life. The essence being communicated there is what? Life. The book is a metaphor. The tree is a metaphor. The bread is a metaphor. What is being communicated is what? Is life. Are you following? Come on, are you following? Huh. So, for example, turn to St. John's Gospel chapter 14 and verse 6. Jesus says, John 14, 6 says, I am the what? Talk to me. I am the what? The way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the what? The Father, but by me. So Jesus says, I am the life. St. John's Gospel, chapter 1. John 1 and verse 1. Quickly, 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 please. What does he say? In the beginning was what? Uh-huh. 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 Talk to me now. Uh-huh. Guys, now what is going on? The same was in the beginning with God. Uh-huh. All things were what? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it was life. And the life was a what? So Jesus is life. Is that correct? Now look at John's Gospel chapter 6. Jesus calls himself the bread of life. Verse 40. Sorry. John 6, 38. He says, For I came down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him that what sent me. And this is the Father's will which has sent me, that all of that of all which he had given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have what? May have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. The Jews then murmured at him because he said, I am the bread which came down from what? Are you seeing that? Praise God. All right, that I'm the bread which came down from what? From heaven. All right, can we read uh, verse uh, 42? Continue reading. What does he say? Uh -huh. they, so they were pointing to his humanity. All right, continue. 
okay now. So it says, Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, Mormon not among yourselves. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall be taught of God. Every man therefore that had heard and had learned of the Father cometh unto me. Not that any man had seen the Father, say he which, save he which is of God, he had seen the Father. Very, very I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath what? Everlasting life. 48. I am what? That bread of life. Your father this eat manna in the wilderness and her dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not what? Die. 51. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh which I will give for the life of the world. Now notice that the bread is a metaphor for life. And Jesus said, I am that bread of life, which means he said, I am life. Is that correct? So the tree, glory to God, of life, amen, all right, is Jesus. And notice here, he says, if you eat of the bread of life, you will have everlasting life. So in the same way, if you eat of the tree of life, you have what? Everlasting life. Glory to God. Now, man, obviously acted in unbelief, disobeys. Now, let's now see what now happened to that tree in the representation of Moses. Genesis 3.22. See what it says. Genesis 3 and 22. Look at what it says quickly. It says, and the Lord God said, this you know, behold, the man is become as one of us to know good and evil, which means man knows what sin is. And now, lest he put forth his hand, and take also of the tree of life, and eat and live forever. Hold on. What was God, why was it that they said, God was like, we don't want man to eat of the tree of life now. This is the reason. Because man had sinned, but man needed to understand the consciousness, or have the consciousness, or to understand the gravity of what he has done. If there was no time period for man to come to the understanding of the consequence of sin being death, he would not be able to appreciate the need for a savior. Are you following? Because if a savior comes to him and he does not understand what that savior is saving him from, he can't appreciate, so he cannot even respond in faith. Are you following? Come on, are you following? So in the original concern, what God is saying here is that the man cannot have access to eternal life, praise God, not yet. Look at it. Go back. Don't take the scripture off. He said, let's inform his hand and take us of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Now look at verse 23. Pay attention. He now says, therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. Next verse. He now says what? So he drove out the man and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden. What did he place there? cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life is typology what this image says is the cherubims there are saying there is no way into the tree of life yet how do we prove it you know it is moses that is writing so because it is moses that is writing the parables and the typologies will be repeated for emphasis, because at the mouth of two or three witnesses, a thing shall be what? Established. So what do we need to do? We need to look for another place in the writings of Moses where cherubims are guarding something. Where access 
is not granted or access is restricted and there are cherubims guarding where access is restricted to then you understand what it's about glory to god glory to god exodus 25 18 here we find the holies of holies the mercy seats all right look how it says he says god spoke, speaks to moses he says and thou shalt make two cherubims of gold of beating work shall thou make them in the two ends of the mercy seats 19 next verse and make one cherub on the one end and the other cherub on the other end even of the mercy seat shall ye make the cherubs, cherubs of the two ends thereof next verse it now says and these cherubim shall stretch forth their wings on high covering what what are they doing they are covering the mercy seat with their wings and their face shall look one to another toward the mercy seat shall the faces of the cherubims be next verse and thou shalt put the mercy seat above upon the ark and in the ark thou shalt put the testimony that i shall give thee 22 and there i will what meet with thee and i will commune with thee from above the mercy seat from between the two cherubims which are upon the ark of the testimony of all things which i will give thee in the commandment unto the children of israel are you seeing that so the presence of god was between the mercy seats and the cherubim spread their wings covering that presence moses was the only one who could enter unhindered towards the mercy seat and commune but there was restriction to everybody else in fact the children of israel could not come but aaron only once let us look at it hallelujah aaron could come only once leviticus 16. ah time has gone Leviticus 16, chapter verse 1 to 16. I think I'll just maybe we can go and read that at home. All right. On the day of atonement, the high priest came once and he sprinkled the blood, hallelujah, of the lamb seven times. Glory to God. So that means the high priest could not have access to the presence of God but by the blood, showing that the way in to the mercy seat. To have access to where the, um, the mercy of God was, where the life of God was, where the tree of life, go, or tree of life uh, was, was via the blood. Hallelujah. Was what? Via the blood. Showing us that sin robbed man of eternal life. And because of sin, what man had was death. So to be able to enter in to where life was, death was necessary. God was showing us in Moses that the person that will open this way into the tree of life would open it not with the blood of bulls and goats, but was going to open it with what? With blood. Death was going to be necessary for this access to life to be opened again. Are you following that? So we see that in Moses. Glory to God. We see that in Moses. So, lambs and goats were used then john the greatest of the prophets now shows us that 
a man shows up his name is jesus and he says behold the lamb of god that what take it away the sins of the world john 1 29 so that means the other lambs and goats were the lambs men brought jesus was the lamb god brought are you following amen the lamb god brought we see a typology of this in genesis 3 when the um, adam and eve went to sow um, fig leaves to cover their nakedness but god took a lamp hallelujah and took the covering of that lamp and covered their nakedness so adam was typologically covered by the naked um, uh, covered, uh, god covered the nakedness of adam and eve using the lamp he brought because when man tried to cover his sins it will never be adequate but when god brings the covering it will be adequate are you paying attention here are you paying attention here so maybe we we'll we'll look at that some more next week because of time let's look at the second typology moses shows us the ark of noah i'll just quickly go through this because of time genesis chapter 6 and verse 14 many people may not know it there are three acts that are mentioned in the old testament the first is the ark of noah the second is the ark of the covenant the third is the ark of borishes where moses was kept to prevent him from being killed by pharaoh in all three cases the ark protected from death the ark protected from judgment or death praise god in the noah's ark and the ark of the covenant god was the one who gave the specification for its building so god was the architect of noah's ark and the architect of the ark of the covenant showing you that god's the, the protection from eternal death has to have god as the architect not man it is god's plan to redeem from eternal death that we walk man's plan will never walk now you look at genesis chapter 6 verse 14 turn in there quickly we see something there that's very powerful genesis 6 and verse 14 now god tells noah to build an ark he says make thee an ark of gopher wood room shall thou make in the ark now this is where it's wonderful he said and shall pitch it within pitch it within and without with pitch the word pitch there used is the hebrew word kafar k-a-p-h-a-r kafar now what does kafar mean the word kafar means to cover it means to propitiate it means to atone for sin or atonement now you see in exodus chapter 29 verse 37 quickly exodus chapter 29 verse 37 quickly you see this that word kafar is used i want to show you three places where it is used that exact same word and for you to see how it's used so that you can understand the picture of what god is telling to noah now in exodus chapter 29 37 it says seven days thou shalt make a what an atonement for the altar and sanctify it 
and it shall be an altar most holy whatsoever toucheth the altar shall be holy the word atonement here is kafar the same word used in genesis 6 14. now look at exodus 30 and 10. exodus chapter 30 and 10. exodus 30 and verse 10. it says and aaron shall make what an atonement upon the arms of it once in a year with the blood of the sin offering of atonement once in the year shall he make atonement upon it throughout your generation it is most holy unto the lord atonement all right in relation to sin then exodus 32 and 30. exodus 32 and 30. quickly and it came to pass on the morrow that moses said unto the people ye have sinned a great sin and now I will go up unto the Lord, peradventure I shall make what? An atonement for what? Your sin. So, kafar is usually used for atonement in connection to what? To sin. So, when God says to Noah, build the ark, pitch it within and without, he's talking about atonement. Such that the waters, what are the flood of Noah was a flood of judgment. Is that correct? It was a flood of judgment against sin. Correct? So, the what the pitching of the ark was going to prevent the flood of judgment from entering inside the ark such that while inside the ark they were protected from the judgment around it praise god all right it, they were protected from the judgment around it the ark is a picture of christ all that are in the in christ have their sins atoned for so the judgment that is coming will hit everybody outside except those who are in Christ because of the atonement of sins. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now let's finally look at Exodus chapter 40. So if the ark of Noah represented Jesus, the ark of the covenant represented Jesus, the mercy seat was on the ark of the covenant, which means in Christ Jesus, that is where mercy is. Amen. Christ Jesus, because the, um, um, Aaron sprinkled the blood of atonement seven times on the mercy seat. It means that the, in Christ Jesus, all right, that is where the atonement is. So you cannot find atonement anywhere else except in Christ Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. You cannot find atonement anywhere else apart from in Christ Jesus. Nowhere else. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. Amen. He is the grace. He is the mercy. No man can come to the Father except by him. Exodus chapter 40 and verse 1 to 3. This is where we close today, tonight. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, On the first day of the first month shalt thou set up the tabernacle of the tent of the congregation. Uh-huh. Next verse. And thou shalt put, pay attention, thou shalt put therein the ark of the testimony and cover the ark. <laughs> With what? With the veil. So, if the ark was covered and the ark was a picture, a parable, or a typology of Jesus Christ, and in the Old Testament the ark was veiled, what does it mean? It means that the Old Testament saints could not see plainly, hallelujah, who Christ was. Christ was veiled in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, Christ is what? unveiled praise god if christ was truly revealed and the princes of this world knew who christ was and what he would do they would not have killed him 
So it was necessary for him to be veiled to the majority, revealed to few, hallelujah, especially the ones that were going to write for us to read, hallelujah, so that all that they write in the parabolic words will be fulfilled. So when it is fulfilled, the spirit will be given to each and every one of us who believe and our eyes will be opened to understand that it was all in the book, but it was veiled. Praise God. Praise God. So that's why we now have Paul, the apostles. Their job was to unveil Christ from the Old Testament. And, you know, we have to be very careful because in this day and time, we're having quite a number of um, preachers who show up and are trying to edit the Old Testament scriptures. Are you following what I'm saying? No. The job of a New Testament preacher, the calling of a New Testament preacher, is not to edit Moses or to say things like Christ was correcting Moses. No. That those, are, those are careless statements. Or Christ was correcting Elijah or Elisha. Those are careless statements. We write and we teach in the New Testament, all right, revealing Christ in the Old Testament, from the Old Testament. Because the New Testament scriptures are actually explanations of the Old Testament. Glory to God. Apostle Paul quoted from the Old Testament scriptures about 260, 267 times. 84 times on the book of Hebrews. 83 times in the book of Romans. Copious quoting, which means his textbook was Genesis to Malachi. So in explaining Christ and the plan of redemption, he was quoting the textbook. He was not editing the textbook. He was quoting it. So they needed Moses, praise God, as an authorization to unveil Christ. So if it was not in Moses, they couldn't preach it. If it was not in the prophets, they couldn't preach it. Because God did not start revealing his plan for salvation from Matthew. No. He started revealing it from where? Genesis. Praise the Lord. Genesis. So the book is one continuous revelation of God's plan that he had before the world began. From the foundation of the world. And he executed and manifested in the body of Jesus. Praise God. So we see the wisdom of God that is not reactionary. It was not circumstantial. It was intentional. Hallelujah. Have you been blessed today? Can we just lift our hands and just pray in the Holy Ghost? Bless, bless his name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, we bless you, Lord Jesus. We bless you, man. You have just listened to a message by Reverend Dr. Femi Olale of Oikea Christian Center. For other messages, visit our website at www.oikiacc.org. Remain blessed.